Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll talk about beer shares, hop hacks, finish my conversation with Chris Thompson from Ice Tier Brewing, and review Strawberry Shortcake Fandango from Toppling Goliath. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, I'm going to talk about beer shares. I guess I would call myself some sort of a beer ambassador. I really enjoy discovering stellar beers I find and share them with all of my craft drinking friends. And on the flip side, I'll happily accept a beer that someone wants to share with me. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, with so many craft breweries within close proximity of many Americans and an ever-growing network of beer distribution, you can always find delicious beers quite easily. Beer shares can be something you do in person, or maybe even something you ship out. I have a core handful of folks that I share beer with. While some are within driving distance, there are others that live on the east and the west coasts. I even have a group of beer pals in Canada. I call them the Can Crew. I've shared beers with them, and I look forward to doing so once again when the borders are open. The first thing about beer shares is that it's a great excuse to get together if possible and try something new that you found at your local bottle shop or when you're out traveling. For example, my Canadian friends have a specific night that they get together and share. I think that's pretty cool. I don't have anything quite so structured in my schedule. Most of my gatherings are spur of the moment or at family gatherings. You can even do it virtually. For example, every December, my main beer ski and I will each purchase a box of the Rochester Mills 12 Days of Milkshake Stouts. Choose one to drink and then text or call as we're enjoying. That's some out-of-the-box thinking, by the way. The second thing about beer shares is that it gives everyone an opportunity to try something new and different. I'm hesitant to buy a four or a six pack of something brand new. So often when my brother and cousin get together. The second thing about beer shares is that it gives everyone an opportunity to try something new and different. I'm hesitant to buy a four or a six pack of something brand new. Often when I get together with my brother and cousin, we will each bring a pack of something new and different and then each of us can get an entire can to try. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but in this way, you can mitigate the risk of getting stuck with a dud. The last thing is that bottle shares can be economical as well, especially if you all chip in on a pricey bottle of some barrel-aged rarity that can be too much for your wallet, or maybe even too big to drink on your own. Be creative. Find ways to get together and share. This week's hop hack is something I've only done once before, but it's a heck of a lot of fun to do. Have you ever been at a party, tailgate, or family gathering and have someone hand you a glass of beer without even knowing what it is? I have. So why not challenge your senses and do a blind tasting with your friends? Have everyone bring a new beer, number them somehow so that you know what they are, and then take the labels off. It helps with a mystique if all the beers come in the same serving size, whether it be cans or bottles. You can also have someone be the server, or just give everyone an opportunity to choose one of these mystery beers and pour a friendly flight for everyone. And now comes the fun part. Evaluate the look of the beer, the aroma, and even the taste to see if you can determine the style, flavor profiles, what kind of malts or hops are used, and whatever other nerdy beer information that you choose. There are tasting sheets you can find online to help with this. To increase the challenge, make sure everyone brings a beer of the same style. For my brother, cousin, and I, the blind tasting was a lot of fun, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. Now, it's time for Barstool Banter. This week... I'm rolling for initiative and finishing my interview with Chris Thompson, who is the owner and head brewer at Ice Tier Brewing in Bowling Green, Ohio. So, Chris, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Appreciate you taking time out to, uh, to talk. So, 
what is your least favorite style of beer? I personally don't care to drink most of the double, triple IPAs. Okay. I think the vast majority of them miss in a way that makes it not an enjoyable beer. Okay. And when I say that, I mean they're either overly malty, you have to have so much malt to get that high ABV that Mm -hmm. that class requires, or they've hopped the crap out of it so much that it just tastes like I'm chewing on grass. I'll make them for people because they enjoy them, but as a brewer, and I think just about anybody that brews would tell you, you tend to make the things that you enjoy to drink, which is difficult when you own a business and you're trying to make money. So they they are definitely the styles that I don't wake up in the morning excited to brew because I know I'm not gonna enjoy drinking it. That's why I have a co-brewer who really enjoys IPAs, double IPAs and things like that. And I think that's important that you have a team of people. If you're a dictator in your business, you're probably going to fail. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. And and I think that's important to have other people that you bring into the collab, whether it be your you know your your your, your bar staff, or whether it be Cobra or whatever the case, or your customers, yep. or another group like you said. Um, I think that's really important to keep things fresh, keep mm-hmm. things relevant. Otherwise, you're just going to toss money down the drain. Well, and at the end of the day, I can brew all the beer that I want. But if nobody wants to drink it, it's not going to help anything. Right. So I'll solicit, you know, we've done polls on Facebook. We My mug club, we have a Discord channel for the mug club. So cool. like, we'll solicit ideas from them. Or, yeah. you know, what do you guys like? What do you think that we should brew next? And keep a pulse on what people want mm-hmm. and not just go with my preconceived notion of what needs to be on tap. Yeah, that's, that's a really great idea. And of course, social media makes it a lot easier oh, for us yeah. to do that these days. Right? Oh, yeah. From the good side and the bad side, because you hear both. Oh, yeah. This is great. No, this is crap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the first time that I got a one-star review, I I think I had to take like two days to recover from it. Sure. It was just like... You try to prepare yourself for somebody to not like your product or, or your environment or whatever. And, and the first time you get that feedback, you're like, that hurts. Like, yeah, yeah. And then you stop and you think about it and you can't please everybody. And there's going to be styles of beer that people aren't going to enjoy. There's going to be people that don't understand the theme of the place and the D&D and mm-hmm. the fantasy. And uh, if you have a crowd who enjoys what you're making and enjoys the, the atmosphere and the environment, continue to cater to them yeah you take the feedback from the ones that don't like it and if a change needs to be made you make the change i call myself a creative i think i would call you a creative as well it's hard for us as creatives to take criticism whether it's constructive or whether it's deconstructive or destructive i guess is a better term either way it's tough yeah it's tough especially when you've like you said you board everything in a dish you think this is the best thing ever yeah and people are like, nah, it, it doesn't, it, sorry. Yeah, it missed. Which happens. It, it, happens. it happens. Here's here's the ones that I take to heart the most. If somebody has a problem with my staff, with myself, so if, I, if anyone ever says anything about cleanliness, you know I'm going to break that down. Right. If someone doesn't like a sour beer and they gave me a one star on a sour beer, yeah, big I, deal. I, I can go about my day. I want a safe, happy place where people enjoy coming to hang out. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they enjoy the beer. If not, we can get over that. That's the stuff that I want criticism yeah. on, you know. So as a small business owner, what is the biggest challenge that you face at the moment? Is it is it staffing? Is it being able to keep people coming in and out? I mean, what is or, or being able to get product? I mean, do we hear about all these supply chain right. shorting shortages right now? I mean, I think. Right now, it's uh, staffing really isn't a problem. We've had more people knocking on the door asking for a job than I can nice. ever hope to employ. I would love to work here, honestly. <laughs> if I was like an hour closer, I'd be here. And I am blessed that you know I've got uh, a couple of 
bartenders who work here mostly voluntarily and, and there's uh, a lot of the support and help that I get is unpaid quite frankly they mm-hmm. just they want to help and hang out so um, that says a lot for you too as, yeah. a, as a person as well so I really appreciate that and it's the increased cost because of the raw production cost. right um, right so we have to be and, and I've seen restaurants doing it you know be very careful with our pricing. You don't want to chase the customer away because you had to up yeah. the price so much. So maybe we don't make brackets for a while because the cost of honey went up too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And rather than charging $10 a glass for it, we just take that off the menu. That's a great strategy. Especially some of the food trucks that we partner mm-hmm. with. I, I would see them post, you know, cost of brisket right now per pound is this much, which means we're going to have to charge this much for a meal. If you guys want us to continue to carry it, let us know. If that's too much, let us know and, and just take that honest feedback. Like, are you willing to pay $10 for a glass of this beer right. or should I just hold off on making it and make something that's more in that, you know, five to $6 range for sure. everyone wants to drink. Sure. Um, and then just always being hyper cognizant of the fact that COVID is still a thing. It's still around. So making sure that our sanitation is on point, the brewery is clean, the bar is clean. We have supplies for people, hand sanitizer, wipes, all that kind of sure. stuff. It's not even anything that you have to do different per se, but you keep it so present in your mind that it just adds adds stress for some reason, even though you're doing it. It, it doesn't yeah. make sense, but... It, and unfortunately, you know, we, we live here in the uh, the tri-state, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio area where cold weather hits. I mean, flu season, cold season, I mean, it's only a matter of time before, you People know, can't hang out outside right now. You can't. So you start putting people, it's a harsh reality of the area that we live in. For sure. But it goes back to what we talked about earlier. As a, as a restaurateur, uh, you've got to have a higher standard of cleanliness than, let's say, a department store, for example. Right. I mean, you've got to make sure your bathrooms are clean, that things are sanitized. That, and as a brewer, you would want these things to be the Absolutely. case anyway. I mean, you just make sure your lines are clean and your glasses are clean. I mean, that's the basic part of being a brewer, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, funny. it's funny you say that because we work very closely with the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. Okay. They were great all through COVID lobbying to try and get funding for places and rules changed to make it easier to do business and all this stuff. And one of their, their sticking points was that breweries are amongst the most sanitary, cleanly places you're gonna find because you can't just have random bacteria around. It'll mess with everything. Exactly. So exactly. you just kind of hit that on a side note that made me think of the fact that like, yeah, really, it, it's something that, like I said, we're already doing it, but then you have to be hyper cognizant and aware of it because I don't want somebody to come in here and end up getting sick from being here. And the way social media goes today, I mean, as soon as somebody says, well, you know, I got food poisoning from the restaurant or I got COVID from, you know, being at a bar, I mean, yeah. within a minutes, people are going to hit see that and they're going to go, well, I'm not going to go to Ice Deer. Right. I'm going to go someplace else. Right. Don't want that. So I'm drinking this Everburn, which is your Christmas ale. Is that right? It is, yes. So tell me a little bit about your mindset behind this, because I know you said you like to put the ice tier twist on things. Sure. So what is the ice tier twist besides the nice you know, cinnamon and brown sugar rim that I'm seeing here? And it's got a little bit of spice to it, but it's not like, I, I'm not getting like the, the huge spice that you get with like a, let's say a mainstream Christmas like ale. Like a Blitzen or a you know, Christmas ale from right. Great Lakes. Yeah. yeah, wherever. Yeah, like I mentioned, I try... If I'm going to do a beer that's that staple, right? Like you're going to have your your red ales at St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your Christmas ales, like the Oktoberfests and the Mars and things mm-hmm. like that for for the fall. 
I try to upset the apple cart as much as possible on that to change people's idea of what that beer can be because Christmas ale, for example, you started with Great Lakes, right? They're the king of the Christmas ale. And then everyone slowly picked up on what was going on. And right. now you've got 12 Dogs and you've got Blitzen and you've got all these other Christmas ales that they're really good beers. Mm -hmm. They're all just really spicy Christmas beers. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So when I'm, if I'm going to do that beer, I want to do it my way and not follow what everyone else is doing. Sure. So that's one part of it. The other part, and you and I talked a little, is uh, we have some really good friends who have been supportive of us since before we even opened. They saw the sign go up with the D20 logo, <laughs> and they were knocking on the door, finding out when the brewery that was themed after D&D &D was going to open. And these guys, they uh, they run a D&D &D themed podcast uh, where they, they play their game and record it, put it out on Spotify and all that. Very cool. Um, and it's called Another Path. Most of them are Mug Club members. We support them through their Patreon. So we're always doing little shout outs for each other. And Very cool. I live in Cleveland, as you know. And yeah. so I spend eight hours-ish in a car a weekend. So I got into their podcast, uh, not only because they were coming in here, but I really like D&D. I really like the story that goes with it. And so I threw it on as something to listen to in the car. And Pretty soon, I had blown through all 90 or so episodes they were up to at that point uh, of Backlog, and I was calling one of uh, the Dungeon Master and saying, hey, when's the next episode going up? Because I, I need to know what comes next. So last fall, we got the idea of doing a beer together that would be themed after where their campaign was okay. and um, kind of get them more involved because they, they, they're always championing us and putting our stuff out on social media and sure. all that kind of stuff. So get them kind of involved that uh, cross promotion so we did at that time uh, it was called ap pills so it was ap another path also played on that as apple pie because we did an apple pie pilsner um, okay. that was themed after the, the the story so that went over great people loved the beer we had a great time with them they came in and helped crush the grain and pour the ingredients and we threw oh, donuts fun. into the mash and yeah nice. it, was, it was great awesome, we had a blast man. So then uh, in the spring, we were like, hey, we need to do another beer, uh, spring of this year. So um, I mentioned earlier the Razzweed. We were thinking about what was a good spring-summer beer, and somebody threw out Rubeus, which is one of my favorite absolutely. beers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, how are you going to do a Razzweed iced tier style? Mm -hmm. So we decided to go down the mint Razzweed uh, and came up with, <laughs> oh man, I can't even remember what we actually called it because the whole like side name we were calling it was Big Minty Boy. It kind of tasted like toothpaste right off the bat, but sure. about a week of letting all the flavors mellow, it was uh, it came out to be a really good beer. Um, and again, it was it was themed after their podcast. So we had done a fall beer, we had done a spring beer, and we were coming up. They were doing episodes about Christmas. They call it Candle Nights in the game. And I was like, hey, we need to do we need to do a winter beer, and let's do something around Christmas time. Uh, so they actually came up with the idea four of them were talking to do a sugar cookie Christmas ale. And then we decided to add cranberry to it. Okay. That's what's more Thanksgiving, Christmas than cranberry. Sure. Right? And so that's that's how the beer was born. Was, okay. Uh, they're doing Christmas stories. We're doing a Christmas beer. And I've never had a sugar cookie cranberry Christmas ale. So it's, uh, until tonight, neither did I. And I get that because I get the, the nice biscuity kind of notes on it. I get the sweetness that comes from the cookie. Yep. Um, a little bit of tartness. I mean, a little bit of fruit from the cranberry. Not a lot. It's very subtle. Cranberry was tough. Uh, and that one, honestly, it worked out, I think, better than I could have hoped because I had no idea how much cranberry to add to it. Um, so I did two pounds of cranberries. Okay. Hoping that that would be enough to not overpower it with 
tartness. Right. Cranberry can be a very strong flavor. Um, but then mixed in the vanilla, the almond, the, mm -hmm. you know, we used biscuit malt, we used a little bit of chocolate and just tried to kind of get that flavor of a Christmas cookie. If you were going to take a sugar cookie, frost it, and then put some craisins or something on it, that's what you would get. Yeah. And so that's what yeah. we're hoping to and, I, and I would agree. I mean, it's a, it's a solid Christmas ale. It's different than anything I've ever had before. It's super smooth. It, it almost reminds me of like a like a brown ale that's kind of on like steroids to a certain yeah. extent. I mean, yeah. really amazing beer. So Thank cheers. You. Yeah. Glad you like it. Good, good, good job on that. And the rim, uh, we actually started serving it without that. And then last weekend, Cody was like, uh, Cody's the co-brewer. Um, okay. He was like, what, what would happen if we did, you know, everyone does the, the brown sugar cinnamon rim. Yeah. He's like, but what if we did it with honey? I'm not a gimmick person. I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to cut up fresh fruit and throw it in your glass. Sure. I'm not going to do the, the rims. But I've also learned that my answer isn't always the right answer. So I let him run his experiment. Okay. And overwhelmingly positive for okay. everyone that was in the bar. And I was like, cool. okay, if people want to do it, then do it. So it, it's honey. Honey, brown it's sugar, on the rim, and, and then, cinnamon. So, so basically honey's on the rim, yep. then the brown sugar and cinnamon, and he dips it in, and that's... Yep, you got it. Shift gears yet again. Sure. Clearly, you like beer, and you've probably had a lot of beers over time. Is there a beer that you have never had because of distribution, or because maybe it's not brewed any longer, or maybe because it's like on the West Coast? Is there a beer out there that you've wanted to try, but you can't? You know, if you'd asked me this a couple of months ago, there were a handful of them that I hadn't tried yet at that point. And then we got into doing bottle sharing with the Mud Club, and people were bringing in things that, like, I had never had Pliny, Pliny the Elder. Nice. And that that's like a staple in the beer community, This right? summer I had my first Pliny. And, and that was, I wanted to try it because it right. helped, it's the gold tier. Right, right. right. Um, so, but one of our Mud Club members happened to get a bottle of it. Nice. Brought it in, we shared it. Um, same thing with, like, Spotted Cow. Blueberries. Okay. Um, yeah. So one of our Mud Club members went to Wisconsin. Yep, yep. And, uh, and brought back just a bunch of beer from New Blair's. Nice. So I got to try a bunch of that. And awesome. then I think the distribution chain with, with a lot of the more popular beers is starting to improve. Mm -hmm. We've got a, a beverage center here in town, the BG Beverage Center. They can get a hold of just about anything if you ask them. There's nothing that springs to mind that I haven't okay. had a chance okay. to try, but everyone's pumping out new stuff all the time. Too. Right. And with social media, I'll get on there and I'll see, you know, something from uh, Cigar City or oh, 450 North, 450 North out of yeah. Columbus. Yeah. Just dropped a whole bunch more yep. uh, new ones. I'm gonna have to send somebody over there to get some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then again, like we've we're blessed in this area to start to have that craft beer community coming up, right? We're up to 30, 40 breweries in Northwest Ohio, right? Which I think is probably still amongst the lowest in the for major sure. region. For sure, for sure. But with that spawns all these different beverage centers, yeah, who are bringing in more and more craft beer. Yep. So Harvest up in Maumee, that's one of my favorite bottle we shops to go to. Place. They're and amazing. He's bringing in stuff that like I'm. If I want it, I know I can go up there and get it. Absolutely. Uh, so no, there's nothing that springs to mind. Okay. People. Just whenever something new comes up, I'm like, I want to try that. Yeah. Or I want to try to make that. For sure. See, that's an interesting question I had not really thought about. Yeah. How do you replicate something that somebody else is doing with your own twist? Right, right. And uh, so like the Mexican cake style. Mm -hmm. uh, big fans of, of Wolf's Ridge and... I want to say Arche has done a Mexican cake stout at some point. Yes. So big fans of theirs, and, and I probably pay more attention to the Ohio beer scene than the national. Certainly. Right? But that was our like love those beers. Yeah. We wanted to try to do one ourselves, and 
maybe kick it up a little more imperial and, and push that ABV a little higher and maybe kick up that habanero a little extra <laughs> and make you have to get a different beer to wash it down when you're done. Yeah. Uh, so that's our thing. So here's a little challenge for you. One of my favorites, so of course, a chocolate and fruit is like, you can mix any fruit with chocolate, it tastes amazing, right? I can't get behind orange chocolate. I just, I can't do it. I can't get behind that one. So chocolate and cherry, chocolate and raspberry, even chocolate and strawberry. Yeah. You add that that fruit to that. If, if, you, if, you, if you get the mix right, yes. you get a nice tart, sweet flavor, you can't go wrong. So you need to come up with the iced here, Cherry cordial okay. twist. Okay. Challenge accepted, my friend. So anyway. So so see if you know maybe maybe next Christmas, you know, yeah. maybe you think about how you can you can take that that's that love of stouts that you have mm-hmm. and maybe amp it up with some sort of a, a fruit flavor or something that might be, you know, different than what you would normally do. I like that idea. One last fun question for okay. you. If you were a beer, what style would you be and why? As much as I love my stouts, and I love to brew stouts, I, me personally, if I was going to classify myself as a beer, I would go with a cream ale. Okay. Um, because cream ale to me represents a very light, easygoing beer that is very versatile. And I think it's very underappreciated as a style. Mm-hmm. You see, you have your Genesee cream ale, right? Like sure. Staple sure. Of, of cheap beer drinking. Or even your Spotted Cow. Spotted Cow, yeah. People but, go crazy for that. I actually have a recipe for a cream ale that I purposely made where it would be a great base recipe to do variants and okay. do many variants. Okay. Like okay. that was the idea behind it to do fruited variants and coffee variants and pastry variants and just go crazy with this cream ale because it's a light, you know, maybe a five, five and a half percent beer. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think that I'm a very light, easygoing person who can adapt and change with whatever comes at me. Awesome. So like that. Great beer. answer. Thank great you. Answer. Yeah, you're welcome. Welcome. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for spending time with me tonight. Uh, spending time in general. Um, look forward to uh, what you're going to be putting out here in the future. And uh, yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. Yep. Last call. Well, it's nearly time to wrap things up. But first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm going to drink and describe a kettled sour. Unlike their traditional sour beer brethren, Kettle sours, like a Goza or a Berliner, brew faster than the traditional method, hence appropriately labeled quick souring. A stainless steel kettle or fermenter is used instead of a traditional wooden barrel. Lactobacillus is also pitched to achieve the desired pH, and then the wort is taken through a normal fermentation process. These beers are ready for consumption typically in weeks versus the months and sometimes years traditional sours need to fully develop and mature. In the late 1800s, brewer's yeast was purified and would allow brewers to exclude bacteria like lactobacillus that gave off undesirable flavors. Brewers in America utilized this advancement for over a century to make refreshing lagers and ales for the masses. Many of their European counterparts, however, continued to utilize lactobacillus, Pertanomyces, and other wild bacteria as crucial components of complex and enjoyable beers. Many others throughout Belgium used cool ships for an open or a wild fermentation, letting the airborne bacteria work its magic. Strawberry Shortcake Fandango is a 5.8% kettled sour from Toppling Goliath. From the brewer, imagine aromas of fresh-cut strawberries and fluffy vanilla cake, all topped with whipped cream frosting. This juicy treat offers the perfect combination of sweet and tart. Mmm, I'm hungry. Well, without further delay, 
Well, when I open the can up, I'm immediately hit with fresh strawberries. I'm going to pour this just into a regular pint glass this time around. The color of the beer is a very deep, dark red color. The head is a little bit of a purplish color. Mm. So on the nose, I'm certainly getting uh, a lot of that uh, fresh, sweet, shortcake type strawberry. When uh, we used to visit family in Florida, uh, we often would go to a local strawberry farm, and there's nothing like having fresh strawberry shortcake from the new crop of strawberries. And that's exactly what I'm getting on, on the, the aroma from this. So sweet, just so luscious smelling. First sip on the uh, in the front of the uh, the palate. I'm getting a really mouth puckering tartness. Uh, love that. That's one thing I really enjoy about a good kettled sour. And it's interesting too. So maybe it's a little bit sweet on the front. Kind of in the middle, I get this bready, cakey kind of flavor with a little bit of vanilla. And then on the finish, I get the big tart strawberry that just puckers the mouth. Now, a little bit more on the aroma, I'm still getting the strawberry, the sweetness, but I'm also getting a little bit more of that vanilla creaminess to it. Wow, this is a, a pretty pretty tasty beer. So this is one of those that, that I think you'd enjoy on a, on a hot summer day for sure. It is uh, refreshing. It's an enjoyable beer. It's solid. If you've never had a kettled sour before, this would be a good starting point for you because of the basic flavors that you can really pick out and enjoy. I'm going to give this a four taster out of five on the flight board. Cheers, Toppling Goliath. Hey, let me know if you've had this one. If you're a brewer and you have something you'd like me to try, send me a message on Instagram and we'll see what we can do. Well, that's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time when I talk whale beers, share another hop hack, and chat with Chris Gibbons from Brass Ring Brewing. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what your beer shares are like. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends!